Tim, what's on your radar? Well, Russia and China issued a joint statement declaring a friendship between the two nations that knows no limits, that directly challenges the United States as the global power, criticizes the expansion of NATO and other military alliances, as well as points the finger at the U.S. for using excuses of spreading democracy in order to engage in hostile actions. They basically said in this statement that the once weaker kids on the block are now bigger and stronger and won't take the West crap anymore. So we're going to go over some sections of this 12-page statement. And while we do, remember that this was issued on February 4th, 20 days before Russia invaded Ukraine. No one really paid attention to this document when it was released. They just figured Russia and China were posturing and pretending to be all big and powerful. But don't worry. They're all bark, no bite. They're still too small, they claimed. And then the invasion happened. The West attempted sanctions on Russia and tried to cut them off from the world. And I've argued that it all, all it really did was speed up the transition away from one global currency and one global power towards the multipolar world order Russia and China declared was coming only a month ago. You see, people have been arguing that there's no way China's SIPs could replace SWIFT. They say their currency is too weak or unstable to replace the dollar as the global currency. But maybe the goal, at least this first step goal, isn't to replace these systems, but rival them instead, like MasterCard to Visa or Pepsi to Coke. Next thing you know, they might be Facebook to MySpace. Start off the smaller of the two, only to clobber them a few years down the line. After all, one part of this document declares the countries are intending to form a Russia India-China East Asia cooperation that will include a variety of sectors such as trade and defense. And last I checked, China and India in particular have a lot of people, meaning trade will be very lucrative and defense very robust. So let's go over some of the aspects of this document. It's called Joint Statement of the Russian Federation and the People's Republic of China on the International Relations Entering a New Era and the Global Sustainable Development. Quite a mouthful. Uh, they start off by saying, quote, a trend has emerged towards redistribution of power in the world, and the international community is showing a growing demand for leadership aiming at peaceful and gradual development. Some actors representing but the minority on the international scale continue to advocate unilateral approaches to addressing international issues and resorts to force. They interfere in the internal affairs of other states, infringing their legitimate rights and interests. They say this is hampering the development of progress in mankind. Now, before we go on, the Russian Federation and the People's Republic of China are together referred to throughout this document as the sides. So the document goes on to state, the sides believe that certain states, military and political alliances and coalitions seek to obtain directly or indirectly unilateral military advantages to the detriment of the security of others. Wonder who they're talking about. The sides oppose further enlargement of NATO and call on the North Atlantic Alliance to abandon its idealized Cold War approaches. The sides are seriously concerned about the trilateral security partnership between Australia, the United States, and the United Kingdom, AUKUS. In particular, their decision to initiate cooperation in the field of nuclear-powered submarines. They say this is increasing the danger of an arms race in the region and poses serious risks of nuclear proliferation. They say the nuclear weapons states should abandon the Cold War mentality and zero-sum games and reduce the role of nuclear weapons in their national security policies. They express concern over the advancement of U.S. plans to develop global missile defense and deploy its elements in various regions in the world and even into outer space, saying they support an international commitment not to be the first to place weapons in space, preventing a space arms race. The document calls us calls out U.S. bioweapons and chemical, chemical weapon activities, 
They call on the United States to accelerate the elimination of our stockpile of chemical weapons. Now, regarding democracy, they say there is no one-size-fits-all template to, guide, to guiding countries in establishing democracy. A nation can choose such forms and methods of implementing democracy that would best suit its particular state based on its social and political system, its historical background, traditions, and unique cultural characteristics. It is only up to the people of the country to decide whether their state is a democratic one, they say. The sides believe that the advocacy of democracy and human rights must not be used to put pressure on other countries. They oppose the abuse of democratic values and interference in the internal affairs of sovereign states under the pretext of protecting democracy and human rights and any attempts to incite divisions and confrontation in the world. Now, they don't only discuss these military and defense issues and point out the U.S., but they also discuss the Russian and China trade partnership they're forming within the Belt and Road Initiative. They call on developed countries to help the developing ones catch up. They talk about investing in sustainable transport and fighting climate change. They also address the origins of COVID, saying that, quote, that ascertaining the origin of the new coronavirus infection is a matter of science. Research on this topic must be based on global knowledge, and that requires cooperation among scientists from all over the world. The sides oppose politicization of these issues. The sides call on the global community to jointly promote a serious scientific approach to the study of the coronavirus origin. Now, they end this joint statement asserting themselves and claiming they are the world's powers calling for peace in the world, saying, quote, the sides call for the establishment of a new kind of relationship between world powers on the basis of mutual respect, peaceful coexistence and mutually beneficial cooperation. They reaffirmed that the new interstate relations between Russia and China are superior to political and military alliances of the Cold War era. Friendship between the two states has no limits. There are no forbidden areas of cooperation. Strengthening of the bilateral strategic cooperation is neither aimed against third countries nor affected by the changing international environment and circumstantial changes in third countries. The sides reiterate the need for consolidation, not division, of the international community, the need for cooperation, not confrontation. The sides oppose the return of international relations to the state of confrontation between major powers when the weak fall prey to the strong. The sides intend to resist attempts to substitute universally recognized formats and mechanisms that are consistent with international law for rules elaborated in private by certain nations or blocks of nations and are against, against addressing international problems indirectly and without consensus, oppose power politics, bullying, unilateral sanctions, and extraterritorial application of jurisdiction, as well as the abuse of export control policies and support trade facilitation in line with the rules of the World Trade Organization. The sides reaffirm their intention to strengthen foreign policy coordination, pursue true multilateralism, strain, uh, strengthen cooperation on multilateral platforms, defend common interests, support the international and regional balance of power and improve global governance. So one thing that I really want to point out as well about this document is that they talk a lot about the UN, how they want to use the UN as the sort of um, guide for how the world should be run or, or who should be leading the world. They, as I also mentioned before, they did talk about India being part of their new East Asia cooperative. And India was one of those nations that did not condemn Russia's invasion of Ukraine. They also assert in this document uh, China's one nation policy. 
and uh, and they also brought up holding Nazis accountable, which is what Putin has been using as one of the excuses for going into Ukraine uh, is to you know or to denazify the place. So interesting document. Uh, curious what you guys think about. I mean, you know, this came out February fourth, and you know, here we are. Bunch of lies and platitudes. <laughs> yeah, the top part was hilarious, where they're like, it's outrageous that some countries invade the sovereignty of other <laughs> yeah. countries and resort to outrageous, military. I say, outrageous. <laughs> it does feel, you know, when you read it now, after Russia has invaded Ukraine, it does feel a bit like, wait, you know, all of these things <laughs> that you've said in here, I'm not really sure about. But again, they do state in this document, they state, uh, well, we, we, you know, we're, we believe in the one China policy and we, we believe in that denazification. So they almost did set like this. Well, we, we don't agree with this kind of growing military power around the world. We don't really agree with NATO expanding, but, and we're maybe willing to do something about that to stop this and in order to rebalance the globe. So uh, they didn't really kind of, um, take away their opportunity to do this. I would kind of worry now a little bit about Taiwan seeing this after seeing what's happened in Ukraine and this document being put out. But they do definitely say, look, there's a new world order and it's multi China might worry that getting Taiwan would be more trouble than they thought it would previously, point, watching yeah. Russia struggle in Ukraine. Um, yeah. I think some of these, you know, these untested military forces uh, right. might... Yeah, and China has managed to grow exponentially without getting into any major wars. Mm -hmm. And th they have been flirting with whether or not they want to change that by conquering Taiwan. And, and I think you're right that they've looked at this and been like, maybe we should keep up with the, right. the, the non-militaristic way of expanding. And breaking news out of uh, Wall Street Journal today that relative, relevant to this is that Saudi Arabia is saying that it is considering selling its oil to China in Yuan, which has been mm -hmm. the thing that China has been pushing for for decades and, and would fundamentally undermine the strength of the, the U.S. petrodollar. Right. And which is just a gigantic told you so. Uh, you're, you know, for people in the U.S. who have been saying reliance on fossil fuels and American empire is actually on its own terms not as uh, as stable or as uh, or as effective a strategy as you think it's going to be, because we have invested so much blood and treasure in kind of con trying to control the Middle East, so that when there would be a global crisis, that we would then have access to all of the oil in that region to keep our economy going through that crisis. Now we're at that crisis. Our entire strategy had one job, and it's not doing it. And Saudi Arabia is like, actually, you know what? Maybe we'll just sell the oil to right. China instead. So all, all the people that died for us. So you know, in 2003, the slogan among the left was no blood for oil. We actually spilled a lot of blood and aren't even getting oil. Well, and that's what this document really, in reading it, kind of, um, it, to me, it's like this ominous warning of, and the fact that it did happen, I know we can look at it and say, well, it's Jesus really hypocritical that, you know, they write this, they issue this and then they and then Russia invades Ukraine. But actually, it almost feels like in reading this entire document that it was perhaps planned that they issued this out 20 days later, Russia invades Ukraine. And and they it's oh, almost it like they yeah. they absolutely knew what the response would be from the West, which would be sanctions, which would be turning off the Nord Stream 2 pipeline, which would then justify this move towards this new petro yuan.
right? Where it's like, and, and I don't think it will replace, like I mentioned, I don't think this is going to be a replacement petro type dollar or replacement um, to SWIFT. I just think it's going to be, as they kind of stated in this document, multipolar. It's not unipolar anymore with just American hegemony. And so that, I mean, to me, it's, they said it, they warned us. They said, this is what we're doing. These are the things we oppose. And now they're implementing this strategy. And quite frankly, it's working. But China's problem is that their wages are rising in China as they're, as they're confronting their own labor shortage. And as a result, they're pushing their prices up. And, and that's one thing that's driving inflation over here. So their growth strategy over the last 40 years was low wages, low prices. That's how right. they're going to grow and export. They need the entire world to be there market for their products or not a, 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 they can move a it all decimated to India and they become a, a first it, world they become you, they rise up like everybody else and they start to get you know better jobs and higher educations and they start to manufacture everything in africa which is why they've been doing all that investment down there and then importing up cheap goods long term they do, they do seem to be trying to push into africa for for low-wage labor but the consumer base in india and russia can't support the growth that china needs because china is such a growth dependent economy that if their growth target, if they can still grow, but if they don't hit their growth target, then they start to have domestic problems. And so that's why people are, are saying that we're not so sure that all of this is going to work out as well for them. You it may, it, it might, they might pull a rabbit with, out of a hat. But. You could have had that argument about the U.S. Industrial Revolution. Yeah. And then it was just like, okay, well, then what happens after we start exporting? We get Trump. Or, yeah, that's what happens. Well, that's why. a long time. I mean, it took decades to get to that right, point. Right, we had, did mass incarceration, and we did other things right. to, like, tamp down on it. But, yeah, it, it came home to roost in the, in the form of the toxic political culture that we yeah. have today. And, and Ch China's government doesn't want to have to try to figure out how to deal deal with that. They're trying to lock down a totalitarian surveillance state before. Well, and I don't even think we need to worry about what they're doing necessarily. You know, the, for, I think we need to start worrying about ourselves a bit and saying, oh, crap, you know, now they are implementing this new strategy. They're doing it. It's working. So what are we going to do to protect our economy if the dollar is no longer the dominant and really the only global currency? What are we going to do? And we, I don't, we, it's like we're in denial. <laughs> Time to yeah. wake up, guys. You know, this is happening. It's happening now. And we didn't prepare for it. So what are we going to do? Yeah. It's going to collapse our economy. And, we, you know, unless we start realizing that, the, that this is happening. And our whole answer is just drill, baby, drill. That's, that's all our political system can come up with. And our rising panel joins us next. We're going to go over Senator Rand Paul's new effort to oust Dr. Fauci. Stay tuned for that.